Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this I Believe podcast. Castle Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com. We are now live. Thank you for joining us for the I Believe podcast. We have not had a live video all of the last month, so thank you guys for being patient. Uh, We do have podcast releases coming and have continued to be released on the podcast. So if you guys have been able to tune into any of those episodes, thank you for tuning in and just thank you for being part of this endeavor in this community. I really hope that you guys continue to find value from what we share here on the podcast. So just kind of housekeeping announcements. Next two events that we have coming up are actually both in November. So if you have not seen any of the announcements that we have about our 5Ks, just take note that we have two 5Ks happening in the next month and a half. And the first one is going to be in Dallas-Fort Worth, and that's going to be in Texas. It's taking place on November 5th. Make sure to head to lookingforacure.org to register, and you can find um, a way to register virtually if you're not able to get there in person, and you can also register to come and run or walk in person. Again, please tell your friends and family. The only way these kinds of events get lots of uh, traction, lots of awareness um, raised for ocular melanoma is when we talk and we tell each other and we spread the news. Um, So that's happening November 5th and then November 12th. Following that week in Santa Monica, there is a um, Lori Walters Memorial run for ocular melanoma happening in Santa Monica. Again, lookingforacure.org is where you can find the information on those events. Okay, that's all we have for housekeeping. So I am going to go ahead and I'm going to introduce our speaker for today. I actually stumbled across her account on Instagram and I reshared in our stories today some of the the quotes that I had seen that really just hit home for me as, as a person that I hope have been impactful for you guys. And I wanted to have her on the podcast. So we finally made it happen. Let me introduce Dr. Kristen Markell. She's actually a double board certified integrative gynecologist and she practices in Fayetteville, Arkansas. She basically practiced as an OB herself and began experiencing burnout symptoms. And uh, while researching and exploring ways to support her own health, she found integrative and functional medicine and um, really just fell in love with this process of of treating people on an individualized basis and spending more time um, integrating medicine and uh, mental health and, you know, supportive practices. So Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Danae. This is so great. Oh, okay. So tell us a little bit more about you personally, just so we have a little bit better of a background. So personally, um, I have lived in Arkansas my whole life, kind of gone back and forth between uh, my home area of Little Rock and Northwest Arkansas, where I currently live now. And um, I have two little kiddos. They're six and eight. And um, me and my family, my husband and our dog, Roscoe, we live uh, in the Ozark Mountains. It's really beautiful here. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I also have little kids, so I can yeah, I can totally I relate. <laughs> like, I mean, I have a, a six and a nine-year-old, so I mean, our kids are yeah. really very, very close in age. Yes. Um, well, let me just kind of go to a couple of the 
the quotes that I had seen that really stood out to me from your account that we can kind of just start talking. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of, I think one of the first ones that I had seen on your page was um, when you said that acknowledging you are at capacity is not a character flaw. It's the first step in returning to a sense of well-being. So before we jumped on here, you know, we started talking a little bit about, about how this kind of plays a role with us um, here in our community as cancer patients. And mm-hmm. I was talking to you about the process of diagnosis and how stressful and overwhelming and completely all-encompassing um, that process is, like when we're first diagnosed with ocular melanoma and also for anyone who becomes uh, a part of the metastatic community. So when they experience cancer spread to other parts of their body, um, there's this heightened level of stress that, that I was telling you kind of, kind of happens because of the diagnosis and, and it lasts like, I mean, I I've talked to enough people to know, I feel like it lasts anywhere from two to three months, sometimes up to six where people are just really, they're kind of just stuck in survival mode. And, um, so I wanted to talk to you about like, I think being stuck in survival mode obviously has its, it has its purpose because Mm -hmm. it helps us to be very heightened in our function. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about, you know, when we get out of that place, right. When we're, we're done with the diagnosis, we're done with countless medical appointments and we're done with the treatment and we get through that and we're just existing now in this space where we have this intense medical diagnosis to deal with, but there's also not really a whole lot happening anymore. Um, how do we, how do we kind of make sense of that and, and offer ourselves self-compassion, um, for, you know, maybe all of the time that we feel like we weren't doing what we should have been doing to take care of ourselves. Um, I, I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense, but I mean, let's just, let's just start there. Well, I think it, it ties in to one thing that you already said about the capacity, right. Um, and also the self-compassion. So when we think about capacity, it's going to be different at different times. And um, and that's, that's then where the self-compassion comes in, right? Um, one thing I always talk with my patients about is that, you know, we're not robots. Like we're not really the same person every day, right? I mean, yeah, there are aspects of us that are, but even what you're saying with the initial diagnosis and that time period where the sympathetic nervous system, you know, that fight, flight, or freeze responses is really high, and then we come out of it a bit, you know, you're still the same person, but we're, we're experiencing things differently. And so, you know, I think even delving into the self-compassion at the very beginning, and then it just, it goes with you through the whole process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about self-compassion, it's, it's really about alleviating suffering, right? And So there's going to be different types of suffering for everybody. Um, But even in those two scenarios that you're talking about, the suffering may look a little bit different when our nervous system is on high alert and we feel like we're running from, you know, the bear or from visit to visit versus, okay, now there's a different type of suffering because I'm not, you know, going from point A to point B. I have more time to, you know, sit with my thoughts And how do I take care of myself differently in those times? And that, that's what compassion is. That's what self-compassion is, is, um, understanding that we may need different types of care 
in each of those time periods. Um, you know, and, and one thing I think about with self-compassion is, is, you know, yes, it's the care and it's the tenderness, um, but it also can be action, right? So sometimes there's more of a, what we call fierce self-compassion. There's a, there's a really great researcher who delves into self-compassion, Kristen Neff, and she talks about the two different types of self-compassion. So the fierce type that may be more action oriented. So we may, we may use more of that at the beginning of the diagnosis, right? We're going to visit and here and there. And then when that nervous system has a chance to settle, even if it's just for little bits of time, then we're, we may be more focused on, okay, what's the caring type of self-compassion? What do I need here in this moment? Well, and I think that's such an important point to recognize that self-compassion can look different at different times and for different purposes. Because I think too often, um, when I think of self-compassion, at least I am sitting here thinking, you know, I need to, I need to have more self-care time. I need to maybe get a massage. I need to go get my nails done. I need to take a nap. Like, and, and those are those are types of self-care and ways to, you know, give mm-hmm. us space, you know, give ourselves space, but they're not the only ways. Um, and, right. and like you said, like sometimes self-compassion, I think, especially in, in those initial parts of your diagnosis and at different times, like when, um, just for, just for kind of background, when we go through this, we get, um, monitoring that is happening after, you know, we get, we get through the initial diagnosis and the treatments, and then there's monitoring, there's scans, there's, there's blood work. There's, um, a lot of different opportunities for, for doctors to give us news. And Mm. we always hope that it's going to be the best news, but we have no guarantee and no control over what's going to happen in each of these appointments. And so whether it's every three months, every six months, every year, um, everybody looks a little bit different because of where they are in their diagnosis journey. Um, and really what's been happening. But for the most part, we all kind of experience this universal place where, where we have these, this buildup, right? And, and I think everyone is different, but um, I think that for the most part, we start to recognize what are the signs of this buildup in, in us right. personally. Um, mm-hmm. I've, t- I've heard it you know, from caregivers, I've heard it from other patients, where there's this period of time, it might be just for the week leading up to scans and doctor's appointments, where we kind of go inside of ourselves and we... Mm. We experience mm-hmm. things a little more intensely. Um, and, and I like what you said about fierce self-compassion because I think that, that experiencing this kind of heightened state and still showing up to life, still showing up to these appointments, um, showing up to the emotions that come with it, I think is its own kind of version of self-compassion because, because I think that if we deny ourselves those experiences or we somehow kind of negate them and say, well, you know, this is the hardest part. And we only see the hard part of it without recognizing really the, the strength that it takes to show, yeah. to show up to each of those appointments. I think we do mm-hmm. ourselves a disservice. Um, so I think just, just validating and honoring ourselves for being in that space is such an important thing. I agree. Yes. Um, you know, I'm going to go back to Kristen Neff and her, uh, kind of, she has like three major, um, kind of foundation pieces of self-compassion. And one of it is, one of them is mindfulness, right? Which is being in the moment with, like you said, some of those feelings, those emotions, like, 
and without judgment. So, you know, I can only imagine some of the emotions that come up. Um, and being there in that moment to, and then also giving yourself the compassion, no matter what feeling you're having, right? Whether it's fear or anger or, you know, and, and then asking yourself, what, what do I want to do in this moment? Maybe it is go take a bubble bath or get your nails done, but maybe it's like, I want to go, you know, punch something, you know, safely, right? Like a punching bag or, you know, like maybe it's something that it just wants <laughs> to come room. out of you, right? Yeah. Rage room, right? So, you know, being very mindful of, okay, what emotion am I feeling? Um, and being okay with it. Like nothing is off limits. Um, that can sometimes be a bit difficult for people that are not used to practicing self-compassion. And sometimes the emotions can be a lot. And so, you know, again, it's compassionate of yourself to recognize that also and say like, okay, you know, I've done enough for today and, and step back. Um, the other aspect, two other aspects that she talks about are common humanity, right? So the fact that this is not a pity party, this is um, recognizing that we're struggling and that other people are struggling just as I am, right? And, you know, if, if we think about us all being connected in some way, then if we're denying our self-compassion, then we're kind of inadvertently denying others, right? And it seems to me, you know, in, in my conversations with people that it's really easy to give other people compassion. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It's, <laughs> it's so easy. It's so easy to give yeah. someone else. And maybe this isn't true for everyone, but I know for me and for many other people that I talk to, it can feel a lot easier to give someone else oh, advice yeah. and help um, or encouragement right. um, than it is to accept it for ourselves or right. to give it to ourselves and, and recognize that we are just as deserving of those kinds of words and self-compassion and encouragement and validation as we are giving them to other people. Yes. Um, and that's the, the third one is kindness. So self-kindness, right? So speaking kindly to yourself. And one thing I'll, I'll talk with patients about is just talking to yourself like you would your best friend and, or a small child, you know, and sometimes people will say things and, I, and I'm like, ah, that's painful for me to hear you say that because it is, you know, not true. Um, and you would never say that to, you know, your favorite person. So, you know. And, you know, I have many people that say, well, you know, I'm more of a tough love kind of, you know, thing. And, and if I'm too nice to myself, then, then that won't really get me anywhere. But, but that's not really what the literature shows. You know, if, if we are more self-compassionate, it shows that people are happier, that they're more grateful, that they have less burnout, <laughs> You know, well, and I it, mean, those are all important things because, and, and we haven't really touched on this, but I'm sure you are aware of a lot of, um, just a lot of indication that, that shows in medicine that stress is never good for disease right? and yeah. that added, mm -hmm. you know, added stress, continued stress. Um, you know, there's, there's various different schools of thought and medicine that talk about it, but they all have a different way of, of explaining disease and, yeah. 
and that they all kind of link back to heightened stressors in the body, whether okay. it's physical stressors, you know, viral, bacterial, um, any of these kinds of things that build up physically in the body or emotional stressors, circumstantial. Um, and so, okay, just in light of stress, right? I'm just going to okay. kind of talk a little bit about something that I have personally experienced this last little while. So I have gone through this period where, you know, I've had the diagnosis and I've had the initial treatment and then I've been in monitoring for, you know, over about two years. And, and there has been some things that have happened like in my own journey where like other people, there's, there's something that comes up and maybe we think it's a problem, but we don't really have a definitive answer yet. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I have found myself and I've talked to other patients who've had this experience too, where. I am experiencing this and I'm feeling so stressed and anxious by this because, and I, and I, I'm recognizing, you know, in hindsight, a week later that, that this is a very, very normal response to this kind of a a threat, um, to our, you know, to our health, to kind of our peace and our comfort level. Um, even, I think even in a diagnosis like this, we, we get diagnosed, we get through the treatment and then we kind of find a, a comfort level in, in this monitoring space where we're, we're constantly being monitored, but we're like, we get more comfortable in this idea that like, okay, well, I'm going to have a scan. They're going to not find anything and then it's going to be fine. And, and then I'm going to move on and I'm going to have another break and it's going to be fine again. And we kind of get into this. I, I don't even know how to explain it, but just, just something like, like a comfort Liminal zone. Of, space. Yeah. Yeah. Like where you're, you're comfortable, even though it's so uncertain, you get more comfortable in, in the not knowing the answers, but then to have something thrown at you can feel like jolting. Um, so all that to say, I'm like, I'm like ADHD in my, <laughs> my explanation of things. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's okay. Um, but I just find that I, was experiencing stress about the circumstance, but then Mm -hmm. I was experiencing stress about feeling the stress, right? Like, you know, where you, you get stressed about being stressed because you're like, well, I don't want to feel stressed anymore. Mm -hmm. I want a break from this. You know, I want this to be different. Um, and I, I kind of went through this period of, you know, it wasn't, it didn't really last very long, but it was, it was at least a couple days where I just, I was so critical of myself for not being able to like get a hold of my stressful self and kind of let it go. Um, so I guess what would you, what would you say would be some tools someone could use in that circumstance? Cause I know what I used and I know what I did, but I would just kind of be curious to know what would you recommend, um, for someone who's in that cycle of I'm stressed, I'm anxious about being anxious. Like, how do I get out of it? Yeah. I, I think that is the exactly exact perfect scenario for self-compassion, right? Of like, wow, this is really hard. I am stressed because of an appropriate reason. And that this is a really hard space to be in. And, you know, I think that's where the mindfulness comes back in of like, what do I really need right now? And how can I not push away what's happening and just allow it to be because it's there and it's hard. And that can feel really odd when we're, we just want it to go, right? We just want it to be gone. And so, you know, some things that I will recommend to patients are 
uh, is something called the loving kindness meditation. It's basically picking three or four phrases, kind words, and just saying it over and over again. Because sometimes when we get stuck in this loop, right, we just need to focus on something else. So people can focus on their breath. You can focus on this loving kindness meditation. The loving kindness meditation, it sends, you know, loving words to yourself, to other people, and to the whole world. And so I know in instances where, you know, I've had extreme stress, I would just say this over and over again. I'd be walking and saying it in my head. You know, I'd be exercising and saying it in my head. You know, just reminding myself, sending out love to other people. You know, giving myself some compassion for this difficult experience that you are going through. And just like you said, where, you know, you you get through the initial part, but then, you know, you have the next phase and then you have the pre phase before you go back for testing. And then, and probably a down swing after that as, as your nervous system kind of comes down a bit. And, you know, those are the time periods that I would say, you know, we give ourselves the most grace, the most self-compassion because, it's an appropriate response that your nervous system would be on more high alert and understanding that your nervous system is trying to keep you safe and that's what it's doing and understanding it's difficult is part of the self-compassion part, right? Not doing anything wrong. Yeah, no, I think that's such a good point. And I'm just listening to like thinking back to the three things that you mentioned about Kristen Ness and mm-hmm. um, what she what she focuses on and kind of the three areas is that first is that um, that mindfulness. And I think to me, mindfulness also means awareness. And so, yeah. you know, that self-awareness of, of getting clear on, okay, like I am experiencing this heightened level of stress, this heightened level of maybe self-criticism um, mm-hmm. for myself because I don't feel like I don't feel like I have the capacity and I want to have the capacity, but right now I'm, I'm more limited because I'm in this heightened stress state. And, um, so just getting that awareness piece. Um, but then a part of the awareness piece, I think too, is starting to, to question and to try out what you need, what you need. Um, I know that one of the things that I experienced last week was just this feeling of needing to know what, what was going to be the right thing for me right Mm -hmm. then. Like and, yeah. and needing to get it right, and and that was kind of causing me some extra stress. And it wasn't mm. until I could kind of let it go and say, okay, I don't know what I need right now, so I'm just gonna try a right. few different things, yeah. and and I'm gonna have to just see what is helpful to me, what helps me feel more centered, what helps me feel more in you know in this yes. peaceful place. But I, it took you know it took a little while to get there to okay. to really be okay. Well, yeah, and that's that's like you said, like that's that's just kind of part of the process. Is yeah. I think just just noticing how it happens, how it happens at different times, um, and I think there's there's also these waves that we're experiencing. Yeah waves of emotion that, you know, like the, like you said, there's a, there's a height and there's a kind of a, a maybe a climax of this wave. Mm-hmm. And then there's a point where there's a down, a downwind where you feel uh, it's even, even after a scan, right. Even after we get mm-hmm. clear results, I think we all experience this kind of down point where we go like, we're all, we're all up yep. here and we're waiting for the shoe to drop. And then 
nothing happens and it's okay. And then we're like, oh, and we, and we kind right. of, I think we wonder, you know, why am, why am I so depressed? Why am I having a hard time thinking straight? Um, why am I like not happy with this? I should be more happy with this. And, and I think it's, it's just that awareness piece of recognizing your body just went through this heightened level of stress. It's okay for yes. it to have a down point and to, yes. to need some time to kind of reboot, so to speak. Um, and it's okay for you to feel exactly how you feel. Yeah. And it may I be different than other where, people. I think mm-hmm. I, I think I had written it just somewhere in like a social media post that I had written early on in my diagnosis, but it was, it was just this realization that I had that I, I kind of tried to, to remind myself of this and, and maybe this will make sense, but it's, it's this idea that there's, there's really no rules. There's no, no rules, rules in how to handle cancer. There's mm-hmm. no like right yeah. way. And there's no, <laughs> there's no one path and plan that's going to be the same for everyone. Um, but I think the other piece of what you talked about is this, this idea of common humanity and, Mm -hmm. and just recognizing that what I'm experiencing, other people are experiencing too. Um, what I, what I noticed for myself, what I've seen for other people in our community is this, this tendency to when they get to that place, right? When not, not everybody gets here at the same rate, but when they get to that place where they're ready for connection, Mm -hmm. um, they get, they get to a point where they can reach out and they can talk, they can talk to other people and they can maybe post in a Facebook group and they can talk about their diagnosis in a little bit more detail. Um, and they, I think they just, they create that connected space, whether it's through social media or through talking in a zoom chat platform type thing. Um, but I think that what I've, what I've found is that that connection and that recognizing that, you know, yes, I'm, yes, I'm in this place, but kind of getting out of the stressful suffering point of it to the, okay, like I can, I can sit with this. I can be present with this. It happens when I connect with other people. And when I talk to, you know, to other patients about what they're experiencing or have experienced. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And not in a, not in a, you know, they have it worse type of way or anything like that, but more of just like, we are all experiencing this. And I think that when we, when we talk about healing, especially with integrative medicine and, you know, the whole, you know, mind, body, spirit, community connection, that healing with other people is, it's just very important. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, and then, like you said, kind of the, the end of that is just, I think kind of, it's almost like a sandwich. Like you, you try to be aware and give yourself compassion here. And then maybe you connect in some way with other people and kind of recognize the shared experience. Mm-hmm. But then you also kind of sandwich this, this self-compassion piece. You, you sandwich it with, with offering, you know, kindness to yourself the same way maybe, maybe that you offer it to others. And I think that that can be like a, a point that I, I've, been practicing it like in, you know, just in therapy and things like that. But that's, Mm -hmm. that's a point that I think a lot of us miss is this, this re like take, take what you gave to someone else, right. Or that someone else gave to you and accept it and feel it and internalize it and and allow it to be validating. Does it solve all your problems? No. Like, does it make the emotions go away? No. (laughs) Does it make it a little more tolerable in the moment? Yes. I think that is what it does. And that kindness, you know, what I think about is that we, we just don't need to suffer more, right? Like we, 
we don't need to should ourselves. Like, yeah, definitely we could do different things. And, you know, you, you can use that mindfulness to say, mm, I could have done that different yesterday, or I did the best I could. And to give yourself a do-over if we say something unkind to ourselves, right? Like, oh yeah, okay, that was how I used to do it. Now I'm gonna say it in a kind way. <laughs> because again, you know, there's no reason to add extra suffering on top of what is going on in life. No, exactly. Yeah. And and I think that's that's just that's probably just the the general point of our conversation today. It's just when we're going through hard things, we we kind of just have to, we have to continue to learn how to allow space for that experience, for it to just be what it is, um, without the judgment of wishing that we could handle it. Maybe like Sally over here or thinking we should, we should be further along in, in the grieving process of, of just grieving life before this diagnosis, like just those, those kinds of comparison things that I think Mm -hmm. can happen for us that we just, we naturally do this as humans. Because I think that it helps us make sense of the world, but just recognizing when it stops serving us and it's causing us to suffer more and it's causing, um, you know, more heightened levels of stress or anxiety than, than we need to experience. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I don't really think I have anything else that I wanted to really touch on. I feel like this was such a good conversation. It was so fun to chat. Yes. I love, I could dig into self-compassion. I know it's such, I mean, it's such, it's such a good, it's such a good topic. Um, and I hope that anybody who's listening, if you guys haven't checked out, um, Kristen's social media, she shares just uplifting content and ideas. Um, just, I mean, really just, she's just someone that I love following because, because what she shares really, I feel like can, can fuel you and help you feel like, okay, I can handle today. Um, and I think that sometimes that's, that's the only thing we can do, um, is just, handle what is, what is happening, what we're experiencing today and let tomorrow be tomorrow. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that can be hard because we want answers. We want, we want certainty. Um, but I think just giving ourselves the space to be mindful, to be present and to validate ourselves in what's happening right now, um, can be such a a powerful thing in, in navigating this kind of long-term lifelong change because of this diagnosis. Mm. So I feel like we could honestly, you know, we could keep talking forever, but I'm going to say thank you guys for those of you who tuned in live. We had, we had a good, good audience come in and just, I hope that this was helpful. Hope you guys will catch the recording. If you guys want to reach out or um, connect to Kristen on social media, I will link her Instagram in the show notes so you guys can find her. But thank you again, Kristen, for being here. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yes, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast brought to you by Castle Biosciences. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.